Okay, we are live once again, my dear friends. 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Stefan Maier with you. The Early Bird Podcast Sessions, AddedSouls.com, the website, the studio. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing okay. Hmm? This midweek. And on this midweek day, or what we call the midweek day, Wednesday, Wednesday. If you read it, you know, Wednesday. Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, we're in Genesis. We're studying the Bible, right? That's what we do on Wednesdays. We have a study in the scriptures, and we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we're going to be looking into chapter 5 and chapter 6. Chapter 5's the or a, gene, a genealogy of sorts. So we're not going to go through all those names, which I probably couldn't pronounce anyways, but they are important. I'm not speaking that flippantly and saying, well, you know, there's no importance in those names, so therefore let's just move forward to the area that has more of a narrative. Not at all. Uh, when I was in school studying uh, scriptural theology and uh, looking into these names, it held importance, and it was quite fascinating to me. I, I grew a great uh, length of respect and time into the names and what was taking place there, so it's pretty cool. But for this purpose here and the structure of this podcast and context, uh, we're not going to get into all those names and how that all came to be with the years and whatnot. The critics, they think they have themselves contradictions in the Bibles with years and whatnots, but no, that's not the case at all. I've looked into those supposed, allegedly, alleged uh, discrepancies, and there just isn't any. Um, so we'll, we will look at uh, chapter 5 and chapter 6 uh, regarding the information that is there. That is more of the recorded account, witnessed uh, narrative uh, that Moses wrote regarding the days of Noah, Enoch, and sons of God, and daughters of men, and all that good stuff. Is that all right? The itinerary, uh, if we look into the uh, housekeeping activities here before we get into it. Mondays, we I share the sermon that I preached on Sunday. Tuesdays, we analyze the lyric, and you'll have to forgive me, I was not here yesterday because my family vehicle broke down, and I had to bring it to the garage, to the mechanic there, and uh, I had a whole bunch of other uh, immediate responsibilities, and well, that's just is what it is. I couldn't be here for this Tuesday, but... Uh, typically, on Tuesdays, we look at analyzing the lyric. We, we take a song lyric and look into that. Wednesday's Bible study, here we are. In Genesis, Thursday, we have a topical trip, discussion on specific topics. And on Friday, we have sociopolitical discussion regarding the affairs of our current events. And uh, that's the itinerary for the week. If you think that's that suits you and the substance of the content being created would benefit your spiritual life, and by all means, follow, like, subscribe, you know, share, leave a comment, all that kind of good stuff. And if you find value in this, please consider supporting. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can sign up there for free. And you can choose therein to become a supporter monthly. And by becoming a supporter, obviously, you will have access to exclusive content that is solely there for those who support the Maya family and the Added Souls ministry and the work involved with the gospel wherever we may roam. That good? There's also the PayPal option. You can send a donation, and some do, at itssouls at gmail.com. And if you seek an address, by all means, send me an email, and I'll send you the address. You are loved, you have purpose, and we are certainly thankful to God for all of you who do support, 
and for those of you who uh, follow along and study with us and find encouragement with us. So Genesis episode 7 is the session, and it's titled Sons of God and Daughters of Men. And we're going to be looking at chapter 5 and chapter 6, but before we do so, we look into chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, which I have lumped up with chapter 5, because I thought more so in context would belong with chapter 5. And if I put that up on the screen here, if I can, there we go. It says, Adam had relations with his wife again. I don't need to explain that in great detail. I think you and I mature enough understand that two became one, male, female, husband, wife, became one in order to procreate, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. And I greatly encourage you to go check out the archive video episode 6 regarding Cain and Abel in, uh, on this channel here, on this Added Souls channel. So Cain slew his brother, right? Abel. And uh, Eve is blessed to have another child, calls him Seth. The reason she calls him Seth, Seth is because uh, of the replacement there for Abel and the pain that had taken place. So, uh, to Seth, verse 26, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men, and that's important, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord, seeking his authority, seeking his guidance to be pleasing to him, to worship him, to sacrifice to him, and all these things uh, in a more uh, patterned, orderly way, I suppose, because there was obvious offering uh, prior uh, but uh, to this moment here, when they began to call on his name, is the first recorded instance in which the scriptures, at least, reveal men calling on the name of the Lord. And it's different here because the division has taken place, obviously, from the lineage of Cain and the descendants of Cain compared to the lineage and descendants of men who were to call on the Lord's name. And that's going to play a significant part in what we're going to be reading in chapter 6. Is that okay? And at any times, if you have any, uh, if you have any confusion about it, something you'd like clarity or clarification or elaborated uh, information on a certain word or a certain verse, you can leave a comment or send me an email, and uh, I'll be more than happy to look into it for you. I don't say I'm, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I'll try to find them for you as best as I can. And I can only share with you uh, from humble posture what I've been able to study thus far, a decade strong plus. And uh, hopefully, uh, together, you and I can uh, move forward with the text, right? Is that okay? All right, let me just double check to make sure we are indeed live, and we are. Beautiful things. Good stuff. All right. So I'm going to put the text on the screen in chapter 5 <clears throat> of Genesis, and we'll be able to walk ourselves through there. Through there. What was that accent? I don't know. You're speaking to a French individual who speaks English language. So, you know, you'll have to forgive me and be patient with me. There are things sometimes I get mixed up with. In the linguistic realm of communication. Okay, Genesis chapter 5, um, verses 18 through 32. Because, we're again, I'm not going to go reading throughout all the generations of Adam. Uh, in the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. And he blessed them and named them man in the day 
when they were created. That's verse 1 and 2 uh, of Genesis chapter 5. God made them male and female, and he blessed them. He, made, he gave them marriage, the institution, uh, the wedding institution, you know, where two become one, which is a covenant they agree to, and God blessed them. That's the blessing. And then it goes into, of course, when Adam had lived uh, 100 and 30 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. And that is the information there that we read back in chapter 4, verse 26, if you will. And now we're going to go to verse 18, and from there, move our study forward. Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Jared. I think I knew two Jareds in my lifetime. It's a... I mean, it's a name that's still used today. There are some names in here that are still used today. Adam, Eve, right? Seth, Jared. Um, I've not spoken to any Lamex. <laughs> I've not spoken to any Lamex in my uh, time on Earth thus far, but uh, who knows? Maybe somewhere someone's called Lamech. Or uh, what else? Uh, Mahalalaliel and stuff like that. Maybe if we go to the Middle East, right? Or... Uh, there are certain names if we go in the Amish community, we'll certainly find. <laughs> okay, so then Jared lived 800 years, verse 19, after he became the father of Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. 800 years? What? No way. Yeah, back then, when the first uh, generation of humankind was created, there was still strength in the biological engineering of our vessels, and uh, 800 years was something that was possible. I mean, that's why our critics, you know, they just can't fathom it because they're trapped in the realm of now and they don't look at the evidence that can be seen in the past. Uh, and, uh, you know, how did we populate the earth? Well, if you live 800 years and you have a wife and you procreate for 700 years, 600 years, uh, you're making babies. You're populating the earth. So, yeah. 800 years after he became the father of Enoch. Oh, wait a minute. Tisk, tisk, tisk. You guys, you guys can't even see what I'm reading. There we go. I forgot to put it on the screen there. For those of you who are listening to this with the video. I know some of our uh, followers, some of you out there are just listening to the audio file on podcast uh, formats such as Podbean and iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. But anyways, for those of us on the video end, so um, that's what I was reading here. Verse 18, Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. 962 years, man. I'm 45 years old. Hopefully I still look like in my mid-30s, late-30s. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, imagine living a thousand years, you know, quite the thing. A lot to be said there, I, I suppose. Some, some perspectives to, to <laughs> indulge in when we uh, have a discussion on living so many years. Imagine the wisdom you'd gain. Um, I'm only 45. I feel 45. No, I feel like 65, but I'm 45. 
And I've had experience on this life and uh, seen things that probably most 90-year-olds haven't seen and experienced. Not to my benefit, of course. A lot of that had to do with uh, the world and uh, the wisdom of the world. But uh, still, imagine living a thousand years and having a thousand years of accumulated wisdom and knowledge. Uh, you know, it'd be quite the, quite the experience. I mean, I don't know, man. You know. Hopefully you'd be wise. After a thousand years on earth, you'd be able to teach people something. Enoch lived 50, uh, 65 years. Oh, that's a difference. 21, 65 years. Oh, and became the father of Methuselah. Okay. So at 65, he became the father of Methuselah. I have not met many Methuselahs. <laughs> that's not something. That's another name of not, you know. There wasn't a Methuselah at school. Methuselah, present. I'm here, teacher. I've not, you know, I've not, not seen that name. Then Enoch, verse 22, walked with God. That's an important one right there. That's important right there. Let's highlight that. Then Enoch walked with God, lived according to the favor of our, of, of the great I am, right? Faithful to God, lived faithful to God. 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. Yeah, well, I would suppose so. There's a lot of procreation going on here. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. You're going to see the numbers diminish, right? From 900 here to now 300. I'm going to get down to like the 60s, stuff like that. Enoch walked with God. There it is again. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Now, if you're going to be forevermore penned by the Holy Spirit in the book of life, that's how you want to be penned down. You want to be penned as a man or a woman who walked with God, in favor with God's law, his will, faithful to him in your life. That's how you want to go out. That's how he is forevermore now um, canonized in the Holy Writ and into the, the hearts of men who read these accounts. It's just a beautiful thing. Enoch walked with God. Twice it's mentioned. He was faithful to God. And then it says, he was not, for God took him. Not only is Enoch forevermore recognized as faithful to God, penned by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't have to go through the sting of death that you and I will go through and have been going through for millennia. He just was not. God took him. Well, that's a good way to go. That's the best way to go, because God took him. Only another, I think, mentioned in that way in the Bible. I'm not entirely sure, but Pretty cool, nonetheless. Verse 25, Methuselah lived 187 years and became the father of Lamech. Verse 26, then Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. A lot of babies being made. So all the days of Methuselah, in verse 27, were 969 years, and he died. Lamech, in verse 28, lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah. Oh, now we got Noah in the picture, saying, 
Now the Holy Spirit, of course, through the penmanship of Moses, or Moses through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, more accurately inspired, of course, this one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands, arising from the ground which the Lord had cursed. Remember going back now to the very beginning when Adam and Eve disobeyed and consequence took place. Then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. Noah was 500 years old, and Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth, Japheth, whatever, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. He got a lot of years here involved, a lot of procreation, many, 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 many children taking place. And as I mentioned, um, well, maybe not more so, maybe I misspoke here for this chapter, but throughout the coming days and ages of the account, of course, as things progressed with or <laughs> digressed with humankind, uh, the age limit of one's existence, of course, diminished and, uh, that's why you see like the numbers go down greatly. And then there'll be a set mark for that coming up somewhere. Uh, so that, okay, concludes chapter five. And we bring ourselves to chapter six, if I can find it here. Let me just switch to view on there for a second and pull up the next text of the Bible. There we go. Chapter six, the corruption of mankind. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. Remember back in chapter 4, verse, uh, well, chapter 4, with uh, the departure of ancestral lineage, one going the way of Cain, the other of um, Seth, you know, from Adam and Eve to Seth, and uh, the lineage of men who uh, would call on the name of the Lord. So you had yourself one path in life already that was hostile towards God and one now that would be friendly towards God. So it says, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born of them that the sons of God, that's going back to chapter 4, verse 26, those who are faithful to God, the sons of God. In John, in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says that uh, believers had the right to become children of God. Believers qualified to the conditions necessary in order to obey and become children of God. Well, the sons of God were those who qualified and obeyed God. They were faithful to him. Well, these saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. Uh-oh. Those faithful to God through the ancestral lineage of men who called on the name of the Lord saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. Hey, listen. Men were created, intrinsically engineered, with a sense of attraction towards the female, most commonly anyways. So when you look at a woman that is beautiful, you recognize that in your thoughts. Now you don't have to go into the realm of lust and sin, but you can certainly recognize the beauty of a woman. And of course, some women find men handsome, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
So the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. That's not a sin. It's not a sin to recognize beauty. But here in this account, in this context, they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. There's a consequence to marrying a person who is not faithful to God. Um, she can lure you into the realm of unbelief, heathenism, pagan practice, all sorts of immoral uh, activities. So it's one thing to recognize a heathen woman as beautiful. And there are. I mean, there are women even in our age today that are heathen or that are what they call gothic or atheist. They're beautiful women. Uh, but I wouldn't marry one of them. <laughs> I can see them out in public and be like, you know, that's a beautiful girl. I just wouldn't marry her. Because, well, what really would we have together yoked in fellowship? Not much. <laughs> Besides procreation and the joy of the wedding bed, um, what really close, intimate, communicative discourse would we have? She hates my Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, how is this going to work? Well, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they acted upon that beauty instead of just recognizing that they were and leave them alone. No, we act upon that beauty and we allow our desires, our fleshly desires to govern our thoughts instead of God and his law. And so we take these heathens as our wives. Then the Lord said in verse three, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. I'm not going to be among them forever because of their decisions because he is uh, he also is flesh nevertheless his days shall be 120 years <clears throat> there's consequences to the decision made by believers to get involved with unbelievers solely based on the outward appearance of beauty the lust therein and that is indeed the world of unbelief. Uh, we went after what our eyes would lust and the fleshly desires of being um, involved with women that were outwardly sensual and lascivious, sexy, and beautifully shaped and beautifully made in order to you know, satisfy our lust, but it created a lot of chaos, creates divorce, it causes a lot of pain, uh, and it can give way to such things as abortion, and you know, it could go on and on here. So the Lord understands this, obviously. God sees this pattern in mankind, which uh, they shouldn't be embarking on, but they are, and so my spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. There's going to be a consequence to the length of our existence walking on this earth because of all these things. And today, thousands and thousands of years later, that's why we're not evolving, we're devolving. I mean, you're considered blessed if you, you have your 80th birthday. Most of us, I've been seeing folks go in my age, in the 40s, 50s, 60s from various health conditions and reasons. Okay, so the Nephilim, in verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. 
during the days in which, of course, the believers were yoking themselves to unbelievers. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. It didn't create some kind of subspecies, demigod beings. It just didn't. It created brutes, bullies, and uh, men of intimidation. Some of them, of course, of uh, structural uh, strength and uh, uh, height, you know, but that's the idea there. Sometimes some Christians want to dive really far off into some kind of sensational mythical story about the Nephilim. Uh, no. Everything here is orderly, and you can hold it, and you can understand it. Then the Lord saw, verse 5, the wickedness of man. And I go into a great more details in certain podcasts that are now archived in this channel, in case you want to go looking for those. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. I mean, think of that. That's pretty bad. I mean, we're bad right now over in the Western world, in America and also in Canada. I mean, we're really, really bad. We murder children legally. We, and those we don't murder legally, we pervert legally. Uh, and um, we're just filled with the most gross, depraved policies and government and corporations and academic institutions and entertainment industries. Everything is so corrupt and evil and wicked. It's just, if you really look into it, you, you'll, <laughs> you can lose heart. It'll break your spirit. It, it, it'll break your spirit if you allow it to. That's how bad it is. And yet still, still, it's not as bad as the days of Noah. It really isn't because there's still a lot of good. But here, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, let's remember, in an age of millions, eight souls were saved. I mean, think about that. That's significant information on the measurement of evil that was taking place in the, in the day of Noah. Um, pretty bad. Then the Lord, verse 6, was sorry that he made man on the earth. The KGV would say he repent. He changed his mind about that. And he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. That's, that's a pretty low... Uh, position for mankind in our historical narrative here. Um, we reached a pretty bad low in this uh, in this account here. When it's when it's so bad that God's sorry that He made us. I mean that's bad. That's really bad. These are the records of the generation of Noah. Uh, verse nine. Noah was a righteous man. That's important information. Remember, Enoch walked with God. Well, Noah was a righteous man. He would seek to do what was right. He was blameless in, the time, in his time. That's important information. 
His time was so bad and corrupt, so evil and wicked, that his immaturity was mature for his context. Um, over here on the East Coast, uh, the gospel has not made its way to these shores and warmly embraced and uh, created generation upon generation upon generation of Christianity. Uh, so what is seen as immature Christianity in those of us who are in the covenant of the Christ, um, we find ourselves blameless in this time of such evil all around us. He did the best he could with what he had during the age he lived. Noah may not have been allowed behind the pulpit in certain locations of the South, in the Bible Belt. You know, they may have drawn a line of fellowship there and said, no, no, you, we're not going to hire you as a preacher here. Uh, you're just not, uh, you're not um, uh, mature enough or faithful enough or whatever. You know, they'd have something to say. Well, it's because of the age in which he lived in. You know, some some with the suit and tie, and I've got no problem with suit and ties. I like suit and ties, so don't don't take don't take an argument. I'm not creating an argument here, but the suit and tie, you know, would look at someone like me and be like, he's unorthodox. He's rough around the edges. He's just not someone we would like to have behind the pulpit. He's not well seasoned enough, according to their standard, mind you, not the standard of scripture, but their standard. Um, why? Well, because I wasn't born in East Tennessee. <laughs> you know, and though sin is found everywhere, and everyone has their own, um, their own struggles. So please don't think I'm not, I'm not saying there's no, there's not sin down South or in Tennessee or anything like that. It's just the church there is much more mature. Well, it used to be. Now it's greatly been diminished by the world, sadly. Stuff like that. I'm trying to help help us uh, understand here what's taking place with why it says blameless in his time. Because he lived in a very, 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 very bad time. Even worse than what we are experiencing in America currently and in Canada, which is the brink of collapse. Civil it's the brink of collapse. We are there. It really is. We're at war. We've been at war. Foreign threat is here, all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of evil going on. I mean, look at just the recent murders that's taken place on children. I mean, it's just, again, I could go on and on with that. But to be faithful in such times, to do the best we can, to try to do what's right, to seek to do what's right, makes us righteous and blameless in our time. Noah walked with God. There it is. See? Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, he had more than those three, but those three mentioned for this account. Now, the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Yeah, we're not too far off, I'm telling you. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Now, that's a bad scene, man. That's very bad corrupted to the brim everything fornication adultery abortion homosexuality murder 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 betrayal treachery all those things it's just a bad place and sadly the innocent are the ones 
who receive uh, the consequence of the evil. Uh, we've talked about that. There were children, babies during this age, uh, and they were recipients of the consequence of such decay and corruption. Go to war-torn countries right now, Middle East and various other locations where you have yourself guerrilla warfare and all kinds of uh, religious warfare, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. And who are the, the innocent parties receiving the consequence of this corruption? Well, the children, sadly. The children. Then God said to Noah, verse 13, The end of all flesh has come before me. There needs to be judgment. It's reached the brim. It's time for judgment. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. They've got to be destroyed. There needs to be. God is a just God. He is a just God and justice must be produced. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. It's not an outburst of anger. Everything is self-controlled. God's anger is righteous. God's justice is righteous. It's self-controlled. It's orderly. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, he says. Who cares what gopher wood is? Just do it. You and I haven't lived in the age of Noah. I can't stand it when brethren try to make arguments that, well, since we don't know what gopher wood, we can worship God in the way we want to today. Yeah, come on, man. That's lame. That is so lame and dishonest. You and I aren't never have not been commanded to build an ark in gopher wood. So we don't need to know what gopher wood is. Noah needed to know, and Noah did know, and he did it according to what he was told. Make yourself, for yourself an ark of gopher wood. That's what Noah did. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Noah was to do what he was commanded to do in the way he was commanded to do it. And Noah knew what gopher wood was and how the rooms were to be made. This is how, verse 15, this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it, and you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood upon, of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh which is in the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. It's, it's capital punishment. God approves and authorizes capital punishment. He always has. It's justified removal of evil. Today, we again, trying to reach the age of Noah all over again with corruption, say that murdering a baby in the womb of the carrier is health care and a woman's choice. Yet we say capital punishment upon a murderer is inhumane. It's just inhumane and immoral and shouldn't be. I mean, that's pretty twisted, isn't it? And there are some people, most people out there in the world currently, they're twisted that way. They think evil is good and good is evil. Well, people might be confused on what's right and wrong and can't discern the difference, but God isn't. God knows exactly what's going on, and God had to destroy the earth. He had to destroy everything with the breath of life in it. 
humankind. We're so evil. But he says, I'll establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. God's good. He's just. He's gracious. Why is this? Because Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. He walked with God. You want to make sure you're secure in the, in, in the ark? Which today is the church that belongs to Jesus? Well, you be found an individual who is righteous, doing what's right, seeking to do what's right. Found blameless by the blood of our, by the blood of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, blameless before him in our time. And walk with him, live according to the law, the messianic law in which we live in, the age of the Messiah. And of every living thing of all flesh, verse 19, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. God was not confused on gender. <laughs> There's only two of them, male and female, always been. If you want more than two genders, you got to go speak to uh, the world and their worldly minds. Two of each doesn't mean two fully mature animals. It could be eggs. It's little babies, obviously. Scientifically, you can put everything in that ark. God designed it that way. It didn't need to be the full-blown elephant. They just needed to be the children. The small, teeny beanies, teeny weeny beanies. Okay. Of the birds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing on the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. God, of course, supernaturally would bring these couples to the ark, and uh, Noah governing them inside and doing what was necessary. As for you, Verse 21, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it for yourself and it shall be for food for you and for them. So be sure to have an inventory of nourishment for the animals, all the creeping things and the birds and all that stuff, and for yourself and your family of eight. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. What did he do? Well, he was righteous. He was blameless. He walked with God. He built an ark out of gopher wood with the rooms and the, specif the specificity of the elaborate blueprint God had given him to follow word for word. Instruction manual. That's why Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. And friends, that's exactly what should be said of us, though very challenging, as it must have been for Noah. Think about that. It must have been difficult for Noah. Ridiculed, mocked. I mean, you're looking after... You got murderers all over you, man. You're, you're, <laughs> you're in the heavy alleys of Chicago. You know, you're carrying all the time. You got that heat on you, man. You're never caught slipping. You can't be caught slipping, man. I'll shoot you down. Well, Noah's in a time in which, man, they would... I mean, it's bad. It's bad. These men were uh, masculine and ready 
Um, they had to be. And it must have been very tempting. There's only eight of us going to be saved. That can't be right. There's only one boat. No. There must be all kinds of roads to heaven, right? Oh, yeah, we're all on different paths to heaven. Choose any church you want to. Be saved in any way you want to. Let's create Christianity in our own image, and we'll say it's God. And <laughs> I mean, that must have been uh, um, something uh, that Noah dealt with. Of course, not regarding our age, Christianity, but meaning in his age, in his law, and what was taking place with the boat, the ark, the vessel of salvation. I don't even know if they knew what rain was, what water was to that extreme. I mean, you know, what is he, what's this fool talking about a flood of water coming somehow? What, what is he, what is he talking about? I don't know. He's been building something out of gopher wood. Maybe they would try to want to steal from him. Maybe they would have tried to murder him. Noah had to be on his guard. Not only him, but also his family. There were other kids. Yet only three of them made it on that boat. Many of his sons and daughters turned against him and followed the world. There's a lot going on over here. There's a lot going on. All right. Well, that'll conclude, of course, our study in chapter 5 and 6 together there. I kind of put those two together because of the genealogy that is found in chapter 5. and I knew we'd have a bit of time there to uh, explore the text. What do you guys think? that interesting? There's some stuff in there you find to stick out. I find it quite fascinating. Humankind. We tend to read this, this account and think of it as some kind of a far gone thing. We're not even certain if it's true and all that kind of stuff, but really it is. It's a true recorded and witnessed account. It is. Noah was a human being. He was a man. He was there with his wife and his three kids and their three wives. And they went through this, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of uh, information moving in chapter seven next week, and uh, a lot of good stuff revealed. A lot of good stuff revealed. See, uh, looking at all the angles, all the perspectives, you'll you'll see it's very enjoyable. A lot of uh, encouragement there, and uh, things to think about. You know, bring into our hearts and minds to think about. Everything's gonna end one day again. For the age of Noah, it was during the flood. But for you and I, it's judgment day. It's when the trumpet will sound, the sky will open, and those who are faithful will meet our Lord and Master in the sky. That's what it is. It's coming. And just like the age of Noah, they weren't thinking about it. They didn't care about it. And then it started to, started to the water started to burst. And it was too late. It was just too late. Let's, let's not allow ourselves to, to be that way in Christ today. Let's always be ready. Uh, we were having a devotional with the family last night, and uh, my daughter said, you know, we always have to be prepared. And uh, my son or my daughter, I forget, but we always have to be prepared. And that's true. We do. Be faithful. Be faithful. Confess your sins to God. Seek to be humble. Seek to be a person that is not above rebuke that you can learn. Uh, sadly, many of our brethren, mostly preachers, um, they attain a level of education 
uh, some of them uh, professed as scholarly, and you can't teach them anything anymore. They, they, they have blind spots all over. They're just, they don't see it. They think they're going to heaven and they ain't. They're like the Pharisees of the day. They know the law very well, but they ain't going to make it. And um, we don't want to do that. We don't want to become that. There's nothing wrong with education. I think we should all seek to attain a scholarly mind, but keep ourselves grounded in Christ, you know, not become the know-it-all, self-righteous, egotistical uh, bully, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, wonderful information, and we got to be ready for that day. All right, Stefan Maia with you. AddedSouls.com is the website. This is the Early Bird Podcast Sessions. We go live from Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time, and we have an itinerary. And if you'd like to hear it, here it is. On Mondays, I share the sermon I preached on Sunday. On Tuesday, we analyze the lyric. We take a song from the world, and we look at the lyrics, and we have a discussion on that. On Wednesday, it's the Bible study, and here we are going through the book of Genesis. On Thursday, it's the topical trip. We discuss a specific topic. And on Friday, we have a sociopolitical discussion regarding current events. And if you think that's something you'd like to partake in, by all means, you can follow, subscribe, like, and you can also support. Sign up at addedsouls.locals.com for free. And therein, you can choose if you are willing and able to support, and you'll have access to exclusive content, family devotionals, personal vlogs, um, uh, personal Bible study stuff, uh, all that. And of course, it's uh, my way, the Maya family's way of building tents and having food on the table and, be, and remaining active for the gospel wherever we may roam. And uh, we certainly appreciate your kind consideration to doing that. We are far behind our financial goal, obviously, but because of random uh, donations that come in during the month, we thank God because we managed to pay the bills another week. And uh, that is a good thing. And God has always provided. So please have compassion if you're willing and able to help this kind of content and the Added Soul Studio uh, move forward and grow stronger. You are love. You are appreciated. Stay focused. Stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Peace out.